everybody welcome to another episode of wild wild will mark eric lily here uh what did we do before oh, i we we're hot off the tails of irobot going into the 2004 movie shark tale which is i mean look we've done um we did night cruise which is all tom cruise movies and now we're in Wild Wild Will, all Will Smith movies. This is our very first animated movie. Oh, yeah, it is. DreamWorks film here. Yeah. We kind of messed up. We wanted the kids to watch this with us, and then we didn't end up doing that. We just watched it as two grown adults. Yeah, I would have liked to get the kids' perspective on it. I don't think it would have been like... I don't think they would have enjoyed it much. Also, we have another animated Will Smith movie coming up. Okay, can I tell you something weird? Yeah. We like watched that by mistake like a couple days ago. We were watching it and I go, mm-hmm. I go, is that Will Smith in this? Yeah. And then we realized that we were watching Spies in Disguise. Yeah. Which is a Will Smith, a newer animated Will Smith movie. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. And I, I know we're going to get to it and we're going to talk about it. But isn't he a spy who gets turned into a pigeon? Yeah. It, yeah. It, you know what? I was like, not bad. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? compared to this thing, it's got it's Tom just... Holland in it. Yeah. It's and good. it's DreamWorks, too. No, that's Disney. Is it Disney? It well, was on oh, Disney. I'm going to get into this, too. Oh, okay. Because I did some research on this shit. DreamWorks is Disney now. Sort of. They bought that shit. They bought the d- distrib- distribution, maybe. They, brought, they bought something DreamWorks oriented. Anyways, I hated this movie, but I'm going to start with a positive, okay? Of Shark Tale. I got to say, Will Oh, okay, never mind. We'll get into it. Will Smith can do some voice work. I'm not saying he's doing a character voice, but I'm lit I was in that movie, I'm like he is giving it his fucking all in the voice work. He's for such a big star, he is not phoning it in with Shark Tale. He's putting it he's putting it all out there. He's doing the full Will Smith thing in there. So that's the probably the only positive thing I have to say about this. I mean, like, how hard is it to do decent voice work for an animated movie? Is that like, I don't think I've ever watched an animated movie and like, oh, this voice work is really bad. I don't know. Martin Scorsese's in this. I wouldn't say he did a great fucking job. Okay, that's not what Ebert had to say. What did Ebert say? <laughs> he said that Martin Scorsese did a phenomenal job. I would agree with Ebert. I have a couple more positive things to say than right, let's get those out of the way. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, the whale car wash was clever. <laughs> Did anyone think the whale car wash was clever? Yeah, at a very basic level, the whale car wash was clever. Um, I also have De Niro is a revelation. <laughs> Wait, how high are you now and how high are you during the movie? <laughs> Sober then, sober now. <laughs> All right. So I'd like if if I can break this down, I'm gonna I want to break down this movie. First off, they spent yeah. um 75 million on it. It made 375 million box oh. office. Yeah, it did great. They were thinking of making a second one. Mm-hmm. My boy from Comedy Bang Bang, Scott Ackerman, wrote that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And they said, this is what he says. He says that the studio said, like DreamWorks Animation said that it was one of the best scripts that they ever got. That's but, saying a lot. 
That's not saying a lot. But he could just also be joking around because he's he's a silly boy like that. But they said that there just wasn't enough of a win in the box office for this movie to do a Shark Tales too. Mm. I mean, I feel like we got to look at DreamWorks a little bit because like DreamWorks is not known for their great work. I think they've come a long way because I think, okay, so DreamWorks started off with just two big bangers that I'll give them. Ants, Prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't watch this, but a lot of people did like it. El Dorado. Yeah. Which I think you guys kind of watched a lot. No, no, no. I, I never watched El Dorado. Okay. But, okay. Go, wait. But like, so Prince of Egypt, Ants, bangers. And then there's like, and they have Shrek, obviously. The meme that is Shrek. But like, I'm going to get really honest with you, internet. The first Shrek, phenomenal. Second Shrek, third Shrek's fucking terrible. Okay, so like, let's cool it out and just all admit that the first Shrek's the only good one. But then there's like a lot of not great movies in there. Like, personally, I know the Madagascars did well. They're not very fucking good, though, in my honest opinion. The B movie, not a good one. I don't prefer Kung Fu Pandas. I don't prefer Home. But then they start making some other good ones again, like How to Train Your Dragons, Trolls, The Crudes. So I feel like DreamWorks is a real mixed bag. And I'm telling you, if I were an actor and I got pitched an animated movie and it was through DreamWorks, I'd probably turn it down. So DreamWorks, do you know who started DreamWorks? I do. We have our boy Steven Spielberg started DreamWorks and um, it was a Jeffrey Katzenberg from Katzenberg from Disney. Okay. Left Disney with Spielberg to make DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. In 1994, Disney did have Lion King. Mm-hmm. But if you look after the fact, a, a, a little bit of a soft spot for, for the rest of the year, at least there was like Pocahontas and shit. They were kind of like they were they were basically like Pocahontas is beautiful, but they were Disney was Visually. doing the fairy tale shit. And then in the 90s and late 90s started not having the fairy tale shit. Yeah. Anymore. And it's not, like, not that D- Disney's always been like huge and all that shit. But DreamWorks came along and had, like you said, in the beginning, had some bangers like that right? Yeah. that people are really into. But I'll say this. Because I think it'll all wrap around because I think this is a Shark Tale problem. Some of those DreamWorks movies in the beginning to adult Prince of Egypt is beautiful. That is not a fucking kids movie. Yeah. That movie literally starts off like me and my mom saw it in theaters and we were like, holy shit, because there's like kids there. That starts off with hieroglyphics of babies being thrown into the river for alligators to eat. Like Prince of Egypt is heavy. Ants, because Ants and Bugs Life kind of came out at the same time. Bugs Life for kids. Ants, kind of more for adults than yeah. for kids. Like they have more adult. That fucking Woody Allen in it. It's got more kids adult problems in Ants. And like, you know, even How to Train Your Dragons. How to Train Your Dragons is really good. Kids like it. But there's some very, like, adult themes in it. And I feel like uh, DreamWorks does suffer from that thing a little bit where I don't always think their plots are excessively kid-friendly. They do, like, lean more towards, like, a good portion of this is for mom and dad. And it's like, nah, I don't know about that. Like, it's, I think it's just like a very hard line to rock of 
making a kids movie with adult themes, but that's still accessible to kids. And I don't think DreamWorks has perfected it. And also just like visually, DreamWorks movies don't look as good visually. Jumping off of what Lily's talking about, here's the thing. Ready? Ready for this? This is something that started in Disney before becoming a DreamWorks thing. And what I mean by that is not the darkness quality or that it's skewed maybe towards teens or mom and dad, but Disney under Jeffrey Katzenberg's reign in during the 90s, what came out? fucking Aladdin. And what was Aladdin all about? It was the first kind of Disney movie that had Robin Williams, like pretending to be Johnny Carson. What Mm -hmm. fucking kid knew who the fuck Johnny Carson was, or he's doing asides that are referencing pop culture, or he's looking at the camera and breaking the fourth wall. That shit wasn't happening in Disney movies before that. So I feel like they took that notion of like, let's reference pop culture. Let's like look in the camera. Let's Mm -hmm. break the fourth wall. And they went to fucking town in Shrek because Shrek is all about referencing. Oh, my God. So deeply. Smash Mouth, this thing, that and the other referencing movies, quoting movies like breaking the fourth wall, all that. And that's something they'll, they'll do in Shark Tale. But I kept thinking about it. It's like, yeah, Aladdin did that, started with that. But then a lot of like 90s Saturday morning cartoons became like very referential to pop culture. And now is that something that started with Tarantino in 1992? Because his movies live action were so meta and commenting on things that the animated film started doing it. And then DreamWorks kind of picked it up and they're just like, oh, for our anime movies, by the way, there is a distinction between the DreamWorks, like live action films and the animated branch. But for their animated branch, they're just like, let's reference movies. I mean, fucking Shark Tale is just like referencing The Godfather and Goodfellas. Like it's- for mom and dad, right? I, I was. I wonder if like the being able to put a lot of pop culture references in movies ends up coming from technology, where these movies aren't as laborious to make. Where you're like not like drawing every single frame. Where like you start being able to use computers more. So like the projects are moving along a little bit quicker. So you do have more of the ability to put in a pop culture reference and know that when it comes out in a few years that it's not going to be like 10 years before it comes out type shit. I would right. say, so this is the big difference between DreamWorks and Disney. And Disney kills it a lot, animation-wise, especially with Pixar, and they're them teaming up. The animation's just better. It's just fucking better, right? And they, put, they have a larger budget, but where I think the difference, the big difference story-wise between DreamWorks and Disney is kind of what you guys are saying with the referential stuff is DreamWorks went straight comedy. When when they really started getting going, like if you look like they got like the Madagascar movies, Boss Babies, Shrek. Boss Baby Trolls, Shrek, Kung Fu Panda movies, um, Turbo, The Crudes. These are straight up fucking comedies. Disney has funny shit in it, but mm. they don't do comedies. They do family movies. They do like Lion King's a straight up drama, right? Yeah, they they don't do comedy movies. So DreamWorks has gone the comedy route and that's why they're it's almost like family guy references on top of references and just being funny and zany and doing all that bullshit where Disney has always been story oriented, more of a drama type of thing, kids drama, but like drama animation. But I think they even just have better story writers because here's the thing about Shark Tales. It was being made 
as Finding Nemo was being made. It came out like a year and a half after Finding Nemo. And people were like, that's questionable shark tales. But like, fine. So they're both underwater stories. They're both dealing with father son relationships. But Disney just and Pixar just did a much better job of making that kid friendly. It wasn't some weird dynamic of like, I'm a vegetarian. My dad's in the mob. I was embarrassed of my dad growing up and I have Ponzi schemes and there's mobsters getting their money back. It was just like, here's a story. It's a dad and his kid. The kid gets lost. Dad's going to do anything to find him. Like it's a much more concise story. Yeah. This story sucks. (laughs) Then and I'm, we can get more into this, but I'm going to tell you already, Finding Nemo is a much better fish aqua story visually because they let all their fucking fish move like fish. And we can get into it later, but I had a big problem with this movie and how they allowed their fish to like physically move around. I would, I would also say, though, yes, 2004 Disney's kicking the shit out of DreamWorks. And this is definitely proof of that. This stupid movie. But also right now, I'm not saying Disney movies are bad because like we watch a bunch with the kids. And it's like there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah, I would say animation style wise. They're stuck in a fucking weird rut right now. Disney Every, all their movies look mm. the same. Yeah, where DreamWorks just dropped the bad guys, which mm. has some of the like most um creative animation where it's, it i i was reading this whole thing about how animators love the bad guys where it's mixing this 2d style with a 3d style it much like um into the spider verse not no wait, yeah, yeah did and people are just like at least it's a different looking thing than yeah. disney's been giving us for the last 10 years yeah disney movies do all look so dreamworks is looking a little better very comfortable and like dreamworks like again like we love the crudes over here. We love Boss Baby. Um, mm. We love How to Train Your Dragons. Trolls is like colossal. But DreamWorks doesn't step into musicals too much. Trolls is like its big exception. And honestly, I need a cartoon that's got music in it. If I'm be- like, I need a cartoon where people are going to fucking sing at some point. Like it just makes the movie go smoother. And like DreamWorks does not have that portion yet. Before you do the plot, Mark, I just yeah. want to, before I lose this thought, one thing, it's kind of funny because some of this box office came from me. I saw this movie in theaters. Don't ask. Really? Why. Don't remember the context. It might've been with people from school. Yeah. You were it. like a sophomore, a junior in high school. Right. This was 2004. Yeah. Yeah. So which, again, I don't know why whatever, but talk about DreamWorks skewing older. I remember at the time, I don't remember a fucking thing that happened this way. When watching again, I was just like, I don't remember any of this happening. I really blocked out my brain, but I remember being very, very bored at the time. I remember now watching again, I was a little bit more engaged. So I don't know if that's because it skews more adult. I don't fucking know. Whatever. We'll get into that. Um, And not to agree or disagree with what you guys are saying, but I also will say to DreamWorks credit is that even in 2004 earlier now or whatever, that they're not trying to emulate or replicate what Disney is doing. Like how you mentioned, Lily, you're right. 
Disney figured out to be like, we got to be simple, you know, fish gets lost, uh, family of superheroes, like just what can you say in like a bite sized sentence? And that's what the fucking movie's about. And in this case, it's like so much more complicated and insane, yeah. and weird. And it's like, I'm glad that they just like, we're like, we're not going to be Disney. We're going to do our own thing over here. Whether that's successful, we can debate right. about, but yeah. What I also think is very complicated for me with animated movies is looking at the box office, like how much it grosses. Cause you're like, it costs 75. They made 375. Like, holy fuck. It did so good. But as a parent now, I can tell you, I will go see any piece of shit in theaters because there's just so few kids movies that when they come out, you go see it, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's whatever the fuck it is. So it, like it is hard because you can't necessarily look at how successful it was at the box office. I feel like for kids movies to know how successful they were, I feel like you have to look at the merchandising, like how much shit were they able to sell off this movie? Because again, that box office, there's just so little for kids movies to compete with. Like you very rarely have like, oh, there's like four kids movies out. What are we going to go see? That's like, of course it's going to do well. There's nothing else to go see. So it's like, I think the best way to skew a kid's movie is like, how much of it do you remember? And like how much just like toys can you find from it? Right. All right. So the plot of this movie, I'd like to do do an exercise with the plot of this movie okay. because I can say the entire plot of this movie without even mentioning that anybody's a fish in it. Oh, okay. Which makes it bizarre that this is a child's movie, mm-hmm. right? So you have a guy named Oscar down on his luck. He lives in basically New York City working at a car wash and his his aspiration is just like he wants that fucking cheddar baby like he wants some money he wants to move up in this world right Mm -hmm. and he's really not he's like bottom of the barrel he's living in the he's living in the ghetto and he's working at a car wash and he's got like nothing going on right now there's another story going on and these two stories are going to collide we have a mob mob boss uh, like a Don here that's uh, wants to give the family business to his sons. One of his sons is like, you know, one of his sons is down with grabbing the family business. I'm not sure what they do. Maybe cocaine or they they're... don't infiltrate the reef. Oh, and oh, so everybody in the protection. reef pays they're doing, them. They're doing classic Sicilian mob style protection here. All right. For this, for a couple of the, you know, the boroughs. Um, so. The mob boss is like, he wants to give it to his sons, right? He's got one son totally into it, able to do it. His other son, is it Lenny? Yeah. His other son, Lenny, is like afraid to kill people, right? Anytime that his dad's like, hey, you got to do this hit, refuses to do it. The other son, no problem, able to do it, right? Um, Turns out- It's not even just like he's afraid to do a hit. Yeah. He won't eat- yeah, you kill anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like eat them. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to do this as humans here. Oh, sorry. Um, afraid to do a hit. Well, Oscar, who's the down on the luck, uh, down on his luck, like a uh, car wash guy that lives in the ghetto. He cross paths with the, the mob, the, the brothers that are in the mob family. And one of the brothers, the, the brother that's like willing to like kill people and is like into the family business accidentally dies in front of him. And 
get like it looks like that Oscar killed him, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole town is just like, oh crap, this dude Oscar here, he's like willing to kill the mob bosses. Like he's gonna kill the mob boss that he's like. He's like the mob boss slayer. We, they they celebrate him and he they're like giving him cash. They're giving him like endorsements, which definitely happens when you kill a mob boss. And he becomes <laughs> friends with um, the other brother that refuses to kill people. And one is kind of like on the side of good. And um, they have uh, the, the Dom coming after them and the whole mob boss people coming after them. And then I don't even remember what happens at the end. Do they kill the other mob bosses? No. How does it end? Um, the dad is willing to accept his son the way he is. Oh, is not a killer. Yeah. And I don't know why they agree not to come into the reef, but they're just like, fine. Oh, shit. Yeah. I forgot about this part, too. That kind of connects him to the mob boss. Um, Oscar keeps on asking for um, <laughs> this is like fucking for real. Keeps on asking to get his money. Um advanced to him from his paychecks so he owes his boss five thousand dollars and one of his friends gives him like a pearl that's worth five thousand dollars to pay back his boss that he owes all this money to and he's such a degenerate gambler <laughs> he goes and bets it on the horses and loses the five thousand dollar pearl and the reason that he has to go even near the mob bosses is because his boss owes the mob bosses money for protection and he says, hey, Oscar, you got to go now pay my the mob bosses because you owe me $5,000. So they're all like squeezing each other. It's like a fucking it's like a real Martin Scorsese mob movie, <laughs> except in this. That's for children. Except for this, the mob bosses are sharks and Oscar's a fucking fish and his his, his boss is a blowfish. And yeah, that's it. I mean, that is the problem. The premise immediately <laughs> is incorrect because it's like. <laughs> kids don't give a fuck about like the Sopranos was not made for children like you know what I mean like this premise was not made for kids in mind and so what Lily was saying about how Finding Nemo is so much better that's a story for a fish right like getting lost in the big old ocean and also getting put in a a tank with an aquarium you know what I mean like It's all things that could happen to a fish. This is all things that would happen to an adult in an 80s Coke movie, except they put fucking fish and and sharks in it. It was like basically making risky business, but for fish. So a lot of my notes, um, I've been writing them more because sometimes I'm watching the movie on my phone spoilers. And so I'll write them on like a yellow like pad. So I have a bunch of these notes like or post-it notes and I'm looking at one right now. And this will just tell you the temperature of the conversation we're going to have. I put script is solid. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> really, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> so we can we can get into that. Okay. Eric, you have to start watching these movies sober of some I, kind. I also think, like, um, if we can get into the graphics more, like, it was really off-putting because this is put, this is all underwater, right? Mm-hmm. And Disney, Pixar, whatever, like if you go to Fighting Nemo, um, they did such a good job where you can't be distracted where it's like murky or anything, but they did such a good job of being able to do the refracted light that would be coming through the surface of the water and such a good job of how shadows are different underwater. And it's like your mind, like I couldn't draw you that, but if I see it, I see it and I know it. This looked like they were flying in the air because they didn't, like it just looked like 
they didn't do any of that. I mean, literally, the Little Mermaid looks more underwater than this. SpongeBob. Nickelodeon yeah. SpongeBob looks underwater. This I mean, didn't look underwater. It doesn't look underwater. Honestly, we're we're getting into it right now. And I think a big fucking problem is how they let these fucking fish move. This is a fucking fish movie. These fucking fish are underwater. So why the fuck does Will Smith's fish have fingers on his fucking fins? Why the fuck is it sometimes that he's swimming like a fish and then sometimes he's completely upright and using his fins like arms? Why is Angelina Jolie's fish using like her top like dorsal fin like fucking hair like it bothered me to no end because you can't do that shit you can't sometimes have them move like fish and then other times be like okay and now they're just gonna straight up look like a human because i don't know any other way to give them like visual um reactions it's like i don't know how to make a fish look sad or a fish look excited or a fish look angry so i'm gonna draw it like a human looks like when they're angry but then just put a fucking fish body on them and it's just like it just it doesn't work for me it like really took me out of the movie a lot like we went and all saw cats in theaters listen it's a piece of shit, but it's probably one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. And it's because what were they doing? Some of these cats were so large. Some of them were so small. Some of them still had human hands. And it's just so off-putting. Like, if you're going to make an animal movie, you need to just go full throw. Like, I get it. These animals are talking and they're singing and their faces are too expressive. I get that I have to put some of it on a shelf. But you have to give me some of it. Like, why why make them animals if you're not going to have them at least mostly move like an animal? I guess my argument to that point is that what Shark Tale is doing is nothing new. This feels like it comes very much from the school of uh, Warner Brothers and Looney Tunes, where it's like, yeah, Bugs Bunny lives in a rabbit hole. But then he's fucking playing the guitar and like, you know, using like well, you never see stuff. Bugs Bunny at any point hop like a real bunny. You know what I mean? Like they don't you never see the Animaniacs all of a sudden start acting like the animal that they are. As we're in this movie, sometimes they'd swim like a fish. I think it's what I think it's one of those things where. I, I I think it's bad. I agree with Lily. I don't know why he had fucking hands. That was throwing me off. But it might be would have been more forgivable if it was better, like how Bugs Bunny is better. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Bugs Bunny is just better shit than, than what this is, you know? Well, yeah. look, when you were describing the script, Mark, that was a cool exercise that you did. And you described it as like in human form, because that's where I'm giving the movie like credit. Is that You're like this was a pretty good mob movie? <laughs> it was. It really was. And I was but kind that's of the problem. That. It's an animated family movie. But hey, maybe the age this is for is what? How do you know? 33, 32? <laughs> yeah, 33. When I saw it when I was 14, I didn't get it. Now I get <laughs> aged it. into it. Did you um, guys see? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go for it. I was just going to say, did you see in the background, there's there's a bunch of like little Easter eggs. There was the Titanic drawing of Rose with the necklace. Yeah. That see Leo that? drew. There's a lot of. 
Oh, that's what I was going to say that, yes, it failed on the front of like, they didn't act like how fish act and the ocean didn't operate, like how the ocean should operate. Like things weren't natural, but they made up for it in fish puns and ocean puns and water puns. I mean, the whole fucking movie was that. So they did not skimp on that front. (laughs) They maybe could have, if we're being honest. The clothing store was gup. Gup. <laughs> okay, like when they showed like the sushi place. Oh, that was hilarious. The and sushi, it was empty. I'm a hundred percent behind the sushi bowl sushi restaurant, a fish running a sushi restaurant joke. That you that can put funny. that in any movie, I'll give it an Oscar. Yeah. Um, so this movie got like a ton of flack from like the Italian American society. <laughs> and like they like made them change like the last name of one of the sharks because they're like this is fucking offensive why is it every time we have italians in movies they have to be fucking mobsters and killers and like even after they made some changes they're still like guys this is like it's it's pretty pretty fucking offensive but you know what no one was complaining about and i found just as offensive is the first time we see will smith's fish and he's got his backwards hat and his gold chains and his sunglasses. And guys, like I'm aware that Will Smith is black, but like I feel like they asked him to talk in like a black voice. Wow, maybe it's just animated Will Smith. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it seemed a little, a little, a little over the top. A little, yeah. The direction seemed a little weird, and I was just like, this feels like. And they made weird jokes where, like, they did, like, a handshake and they're like, oh, some white fish can't do that. And it's like another pun. But why are we making like <laughs> oh, this it. fucking, like, a bottom feeder fish black? Because it's Will Smith. Oh, like, also, like, I, I can't believe you're disparaging a, 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 a black movie. You know, come on. I'm just saying uh, it just felt the Jamaican jellyfish. That felt wrong also. <laughs> what, what felt wrong about the jellyfish is why did they have electricity? Because they like shock you. They sting you with poison. They don't shock you like oh, a right, fucking like an eel. eel. I know, but like eel, most people so don't understand how jellyfish yeah, work. Fucking oh, eel. that is <laughs> confusing. What the fuck? <laughs> They're I not eels. But people don't know how jellyfish work. Yeah, to go the people to, making this movie. <laughs> to go to Lily's point a little bit uh, about Will Smith. I did watch a behind the scenes featurette on this film and there was a white animator describing how he's like, you know, for the shark world, we wanted like mahogany and these muted colors because the sharks are black and white. We want this regal look because they're mobsters. And then they do distinctly say like for New York City, it's more of hip hop world and it's (laughs) colorful and fun and playful. So like that was, I guess, their thing. They're just like, we're going to combine hip hop and mob films together for this animated film. But like, that seems embarrassing to be like, we're going to make this a little hip hop. Like, that sounds pretty white. So in addition to the Italian-American society being upset with the portrayal of gangsters and stuff, which correct me if I'm wrong, you guys tell me they were upset because it was like in an animated film skewed towards families Right. Like if this was no. an actual live action rated R movie or, or would they be upset if this was like Goodfellas, too? They'd I think like, they're just like tired of just like every time there is like Italian Americans in a show, it's like mob related. Like. 
like um, like it's always just like a character of being Italian American. Right. Um, so in addition to that controversy, I guess there was also Christian groups that were upset with this film because they felt like Lenny, who's Jack Black's oh, yeah. dark character, was an allegory for a gay man in the closet who's then coming out and being accepted by his father, which I was kind of getting that impression a little bit too towards the end. Well, he's a vegetarian, right? It's a shark that's a vegetarian, right? Yeah. Shark is a vegetarian. Um, and for some reason, yeah, Christians felt like this was an allegory, yeah, for a gay man in the closet coming out and being accepted by his father. And they were very, very, I guess, upset by that, that this movie was hiding that within the narrative where it's like, one thing it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Movies can have those messages and maybe that was very intentional here and you can read it that way. But it's also kind of a Rorschach test for these Christians to be like watching this movie and seeing what they want to see out of it. It's kind of like, that's on you for being fucking weird about it. You yeah, I didn't see that. I mean, for all. the most part, how gay are you? Like and how scared are I? Like how scared are you? <laughs> like a back and forth. Which one do you want to answer? That? <laughs> hey, <laughs> Mark, how gay are you? <laughs> but like, how gay are you? And how afraid of how gay are you? Is if like you're watching this movie where like a shark's just a vegetarian and, and it's his dad gay for you? <laughs> and his dad's just like, I don't fucking like vegetarians. And you're just like, please accept me for being a vegetarian. You're like. He likes fucking dick. Nobody here. He wants to eat a dick. Like he is gay. It's, it's like it's to so me, it's crazy. just like if that's like the forefront of your mind. Like I hate to tell you, it's not fucking Lenny the shark that's in the closet anymore. Right. You know what right. I mean? Because like I honestly just took it. it was just like I'm, we really, we really do live in society where someone would dislike their kid because they were like vegan or vegetarian. Right. Like to me. Right. That there was nothing deeper there because like I could legit I legitimately <laughs> know people who are like vegan and their families give them nothing but grief about it. Yeah, like and and you could just see how a mob boss would be mad that his son doesn't want to be in the family business. Why does yeah gayness doesn't have to be brought into that? Right. If you don't kill, you're not straight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah very things. bizarre. Um, so what I what I give credit to Disney for and what this movie does so bad is the I, I, I'm trying to think of the best word for it. Maybe it's like the size or the scope of this. What Disney is very good at is I think because I'm not a visual person. I know nothing about animation, anything like that. But um, Disney does a good job where they're like, we are making cartoons that are animated, which means in theory, we can literally show you anything. Whether yeah. that's let's bring you down to the size of toys, let's take you into space with Wally, right? Let's mm -hmm. take you into the mind of a of a eleven year old. Oh, inside out. Inside out. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the more even even with turning red? It's like <sighs> let's show you how uh, because going into puberty and becoming like a woman looks like. Yeah. Let's let's show that from the inside to the outside, right? Very good at thinking about how do we take people into a world that they've never been or never seen or anything like that. And this movie is an animated film that can like, literally you could do anything. You can do anything. It'll cost you the same. Right. Mm -hmm. For I'm in guessing theory. in theory, they it's, it's, there's like two sets. There's the car wash 
And then there's the mob boss, like sh- shipwreck. Hey, there's a little vacant ocean. Right. But with uh, no <laughs> other fish ever swimming around. Other than that, it's like the penthouse, a- Mark. Yeah. The I, there's like two or three. That's scenes. in the reef. This isn't a movie where you had a $30 million budget. And you had to be like, well, we got to keep it down to four or five big, you know, scenes type of thing. This is a literal animated film where it's like Finding Nemo. We go back to that. They're taking you on this adventure that goes from the ocean into an aquarium. They're showing you the dentist office. And, yeah, they're just you're you're going everywhere and you're being shown amazing things from a different perspective. And this is just like, why do they keep it so small of a story when you're an animated film? Yeah, felt, that's a good point. It felt sprawling to me, though, because New York sprawling? City. Sprawling? I'm going to kill you. It felt like, honestly, the sharks were like, ass. it felt like the sharks were always just sitting just <laughs> off camera. <laughs> you can see them just off frame. No, They're just like on their coffee break in between like scenes. I Well, what I will say is, yes, maybe it's confined to like the city, but they do all those like swooping shots, like past the buildings and following them like on his way to work or to the car wash or following the taxis. Remember there's the taxi fishes that were taking people around. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's some like big sweeping things. I agree with you that Disney, like when you think like the cave of wonders, I don't know I'm stuck on fucking Aladdin, but like that feels big. And like, yeah, they take huge. you all over Agrabah. Yeah. They take yeah. you on a magic carpet, right? To like Egypt and shit. You go to China that's at the true. end. There's fireworks. Oh, that's where they were. I think so. Cause like China made fireworks. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. Okay. Sorry. That's like just blowing my mind really quick. Um, okay. But I think, you know, I'll bring this up to Mark's point where it's like, you can go anywhere. So there is something kind of shitty that they made their coral reef, just New York city. Where it's like, you could have made it look like anything. And like, I know part of it's like right. fun where it's like, Oh, all these pop culture references, but then it's kind of weird where it's just like, you could do anything and you just chose to like make something that everybody already knows. So like, I'm not learning a new world. I'm just learning the fish version of a new world. Like at least like Shrek, you're like, I don't know, out in a fucking swamp. Like you're, you know what I mean? Like they could have easily done that. And I think Shrek did a better job of putting pop culture references in without like overpowering the story. Like this movie mostly feels like pop culture references before story yeah and it has i know it has three directors on it but one of the directors vicky jensen i believe her name is don't quote me on that vicky yep vicky jensen she worked on shrek before this so like even the director coming on over is about that pop culture life and like oh sorry sorry no i was gonna say like a lot of people feel like that meta pop culture riffing on you know current music or movies and stuff cheapened animation maybe those are like the diehard disney aficionados like um they were very upset by it but people clearly responded to it people liked seeing this movie and liked the shrek movie so like i think this movie does not have like a great yeah i mean they didn't even want to make a sequel shrek was a a huge success they made like seven movies off that motherfucker you know with the puss and boots and yeah, you know, right. and, and a bunch of series and stuff. But I think Shrek it makes sense because it's like that's where it, Shrek Shrek came in going like, "Hey, this is basically scary movie, but for fairy tales. Like we're gonna mm-hmm. roast and we're going to sit, satirize all of these fairy tales. Fairy tales. This was coming in as a story. I don't know. It 
either way. I just it wasn't making fun. It wasn't making fun of mob movies. It wasn't like breaking the stereotype. So I got a question too about these creatures. Okay, these these fish, the jellyfish, the sharks, Mm -hmm. all the animals here. Are all these creatures morally and ethically on the same plane? Like, would you say, are all of these creatures, so like a shark, a jellyfish, and a normal fish, mm-hmm. are all those all humans? So like ethically, morally, they would all be humans. Or are they on different levels of existence? Like is one a human? Is one a dog? Is one a an elephant? Is one an ant? You know? Um. I do think I love that you brought this up because I think it brings me in to maybe my favorite part right. of this movie. And I feel like people know where I'm going with this if they've seen this movie, because that is a great question. Because like the whales are kind of treating like cars, <laughs> but, but I get that. But like, they seem, but they seem like on the same plane like as the, the fish. Salon. They like they seem like on the same plane. But then there's a scene where old daddy shark boss takes his sons out to eat in a fancy restaurant and he's got like a shrimp cocktail mm. sitting there mm-hmm. and he's like you gotta you gotta eat me you gotta eat me and he tries to get his son to eat one of the shrimp and that's when you figure out the shrimp's still fucking alive and so that brings up like the question of just like well obviously that shrimp can't be on the same Thing? Unless the sharks are that much of killers that they okay, but sure, but it didn't have to be sitting on the glass and shrimp sauce. It wasn't like trying <laughs> to run away, you know. Like it's mm-hmm. not like he like opened up like a pocket thing where it's just like I've had it trapped here. It was like literally sitting on like a cocktail glass. So it's like, were you sold into the restaurant business? I don't know. But that scene was fucking wild to me, and it was probably the most memorable scene where it's just like this little shrimp that's about to get eaten. He's like, you need to fucking eat this shit. They're below us. You need to eat this. And also on the shrimp, it's just like. And oh, we love it just like it's our own. And oh, times have been so tough. And if you kill me, oh my gosh, where are they all going to do this? So many babies. And it was like it's sad. It was like. 40 second long speech that they gave like I'm pretty sure that shrimp had more lines than An- Angelina Jolie's character did and it was just so bizarro and in such an intense fucking story and it just like it blew my mind like I wrote it down and then just after it just wrote what the fuck is this movie I, I can't believe I'm going to say this but I just grabbed another post-it note off the couch um one of my notes I put was says, don't uh, hate this, yourself. This is, <laughs> <laughs> um, which, by the way, Mark, you were talking about like, are they on the same plane of existence? I didn't think about that because I put I like that this it, I put uh, the script exploits every angle of the premise. So it's like, oh, it's a shark movie. It has fishes. So we're going to do like whales at the car wash. We're going to do taxi cab, like yellow fin fishes or whatever. Like we're going to do all these things. But now I'm thinking they broke the rules, Lily. You're right. How can they all be existing in this society? And the metaphor of eating things from the sharks is like doing a hit or killing. But then you go to a restaurant where you're eating you're doing hits. Like hits that, you're eating hits. So you're right. Their rules are they they fucked it up 
this is why I ask about the morally. I, I mean, I would, I do have, I did have the shrimp thing. The shrimp down. thing was so funny. It like, honestly, that's like the best part of the movie. It was so bizarre. I I love not the thing. old shark farting. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was so no, fucking weird. You're right. It was so. <laughs> Okay, that was like such an unnecessary part where we're at a fucking funeral and people are giving their regards to the father who just lost a son in what is honestly a, br- a brutal murder murder well, scene. Killing. I mean he nobody murdered him. Okay, but... a brutal a brutal a brutal death. death scene, but they're giving his regards and they just have this old fish for no apparent reason fucking fart they all look at him and then the grieving father just goes okay let's go talk over here to get away from this stink of it all they were like we this is too sad we need to break it up with a fart <laughs> but like then there wasn't like a thing where like oh like farts are like a reoccurring joke throughout the movie it was just one random ass if you're doing a fart at a funeral, the gag is you, you. Oh, you're going to a funeral. You're nervous. You eat something that gives you farts. And now you have to deal with that situation at a funeral. Oh, what a faux pas. Not just somebody's talking and then just farts out of nowhere. <laughs> he, he wasn't talking to him. It was two characters are talking and the old guy behind him plays a fart. Yeah, the bubble like, was green. Oh, man, this old guy can't control his flatulence. It but, stinks like shit. Let's just move over a couple. Of and they keep just making the joke that he's old because he's like trying to talk to Robert De Niro's shark, but he's like looking the wrong way. Like, it's just like he he's old and he farts and he's senile. Like, um, I don't even like I would have. I wish I'd watched it with the kids because I don't even know if they would have laughed because they don't call it out in like a super funny way. Like, OK, yeah, finding me though, they have the little octopus basically do a fart. But it shoots out ink. But then she goes like, oh, I inked myself. And it's right, like funny. Right. This one, they're just like, oh, gross. This old fucking man farted. Um, so back to the moral. <laughs> so- they're all on the moral. We'll say they're all on morally on the or they're trying to make it. So they're morally all Even. human. Right. Okay. They're all people. So mm-hmm. the shark that get that gets killed. Mm-hmm. Everybody says Oscar Will Smith's character is the shark slayer now. Mm-hmm. Killed a shark. He murdered this person, right? Ethically, not a great person to say, right? Yeah. The shark, yeah. guy, it's a mob boss, but he murdered in cold blood this person. Self defense. He's being self defense. Sure. He's being celebrated now. He's being given endorsements. Here's a Nike deal. Here's some cash being this commercial. This is in some circles, not our circle, but in some circles, don't say no immediately. Let it sit with you. <laughs> Oscar the Fish played by Will Smith is Kyle Rittenhouse. Okay. The one that went yeah. to Kenosha, Wisconsin and shot the Black Lives Matter protesters. Now, look, I'm all for Black Lives Matter. I'm all for protesting. Hell, a little rioting ain't bad either, if you ask me. Now, Kyle Rittenhouse, though, thinks that that's a threat. And he shoots people in the Black Lives Matter protest, gets found not guilty. People in that crew that are the All Lives Matter crew now think Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero. He's a shark slayer. And he is getting endorsements. And he is getting cash now. This is the story of Kyle Rittenhouse before Kyle Rittenhouse. Okay. 
Don't say no immediately. Let it. I'm not gonna say no immediately. I will say the difference is these sharks were actually attacking, targeting, but from their perspective. Stop talking. The sharks were attacking, asking for payment to not attack. They were just being bad people. Black Lives Matters were just fighting so that people would stop. He was coming at Kyle Rittenhouse with a skateboard. Listen, Oscar Oscar didn't show up there with a weapon. I, I, your analogy is faulty. Yeah, because Kyle Rittenhouse went out with the close, weapon. Okay, it's, it's Oscar it's, was it's pretty far. This out there, what was he? I forgot what he was even doing, but he was just kind of like. Um, the jellyfish came to drop him off out there because he had just lost a bunch of money at oh, the yeah. horse track. Yeah, they so they were dropping him, him off to yeah. be killed. And who dropped off Kyle Rittenhouse? His mom. She's the, jelly the mother. Like, honestly, I'm going to need you to stop saying his name so much because I don't need like the weird, awful white people of the world to like be tuning into our Will Smith podcast because like they fucking get Google alerts about their Ra- hero. Racist white people are not tuning into a Will Smith podcast. I'm just he I mean. All I'm right. just saying. Can I bring that up- it's not, but like Mark, we have to get like it's not that. Can close. I bring up something though that will this movie shows the power though of another movie? And it, this whole thing experience of reading up on what DreamWorks is about, how Steven Spielberg had his hand in making it and how much fucking money that dude must make with everything that he's done. But That's how much he's worth. I'll look it up. It's got to be close to I'm gonna 700 say, million. I was gonna say like 800 million. Close to Ooh, those. Bill. Those both sound good, but I'm going to say uh, I'll just go with 900 million. I'll just go up. Yeah, I don't think he's a billionaire, which seems crazy. Oh, my God. Uh, according to Forbes or Business Insider, okay, 10 million. they say he is worth three point seven billion dollars. Oh, well, he's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. He, dream work. He like fucking made DreamWorks. Like, I just feel like when people like that are billionaires, you know, they're billionaires. So it sketches me out. that He's been able to keep his billionaire status quiet. So so I would say, man. though, this shows just how talented. I, uh, well, more John Williams is or how how great of a movie Jaws is that they use the Jaws theme in the beginning of this movie. And, and that it goes, ju- that's our song. Yeah, but it just go that, that but that's the point. It's like that movie from 20, 30 years at this point ago, you know, yeah. when this movie was made, it's still just like, oh, sharks. Oh, yeah, it's the Hans Zimmer wishes he had any of that team. I'm just saying, like, that's awesome for John Williams that he was able to basically go, this is the sound of an animal now. Yeah. But like Hans Zimmer put it in because he knows. He is trash in comparison. And you know what? This soundtrack was fucking trash. Hans, a fucking another one in the fucking ground. What the hell? Did Hans ever do this one? Yeah, he did. It is kind of bizarre that we keep crossing paths with him and it's never for like a movie. We wouldn't. It's never for like a good reason. He, like, have we watched a movie yet where I was just like, wow. This soundtrack was great. It, and then we look at it's Hans. It just shows too, like how, how there's basically three big composers because every movie that we've been doing, you know, obviously John, John Williams. Yeah. Hans Zimmer. Zimmer Danny Elfman. And Danny Elfman. Those are the three ones. We're just like, if we're watching a movie, 50% of the times, it's one of those guys. The other 
up and coming one. I feel that people are kind of being able to say his name, Trent like in Reznor. pop culture. Which one? Trent oh, Reznor. good call. Trent Reznor. I wasn't even going to say it. That's a really good call because he does a lot of TV and movies. I was going to say Michael Giacano. What is Michael he do? Giacano. He did The Incredibles. He mm. did the Incredibles Star Trek movies. He did Super 8. He did the Batman, the new Batman theme. He's, not, like, he's like a John Williams rip-off. The new Batman soundtrack was really good. Yeah, he did that. He did, I think, a couple Marvel movies. Yeah. We need some new up-and-comers. We need to get yeah. fucking Hans out of here. Um, okay, I just like looked at my notes and I started laughing to myself. Because, again, so this movie is chaotic. And I, I didn't find a lot of it funny. But like now in reading what I'm writing, there were some really just like oddball, hilarious moments. So we're just talking about the music in this movie. It wasn't really great. It was kind of like weird. Like they like at one point it's like, ooh, child. Oh, yeah. And but like it was like a really oddly placed where he's like, nobody loves a nobody. And just like it didn't fit in it. But also, so we watched the one shark get killed. A rusty anchor falls on him. And honestly, it's probably one of the more brutal death scenes I've seen since Tarzan, where they literally um, watch a human get hung in vines, Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is like graphic as fuck. But this one was like up there where I was just like, I looked at Mark, I was like, did they really just kill him? Because like he talks for a minute or two. But he's dead. Um, so they have his funeral. We got old guy farting at the funeral. <laughs> we forgot to mention what old guy also did the funeral. All of a sudden, you pan to a funeral scene and you just hear an insanely chaotic version of Did I ever tell you you're my hero? This fucking shark is singing poorly. Bet Midler. And it's like, why really? the fuck am I watching a kid's movie where we're singing, You are the wind beneath my wings? That's One, crazy. they wouldn't know what wind or wings feel like. They live under fucking water. Two, the kids watching this movie don't know who the fuck Bet Midler is. So it's just like such a bizarro choice where like there's like another song they sure they could have sung that a kid would have gotten it would have been funny but to me it was like those like insanely chaotic choices where it's just like who is this for like you is this like an inside joke for the animators because like who was like this will be fucking funny for kids to hear but like in looking back it is kind of funny to me now we might be circling the same point, but to kind of jump off of what you just said, Lily, and I want you both to chime in. I love Pixar. In fact, when the pandemic started, I realized I haven't seen a lot of Pixar movies and I'm like, I need to like catch up on that shit, right? Because people often hailed them as like not only great animated movies, just great films, right? They hardly miss. Right. So like I watched like Ratatouille. I think I went through like all the Toy Stories. I even thought the fourth Toy Story was fucking awesome. And I think I watched like Incredibles 2 and Incredibles 1. I was kind of like trying to hit the ones I've never seen before. And I was really, really enjoying them. Here's the thing. And I'm not just doing this to like be the devil's advocate in this situation. Pixar so fucking good because you'll hear the stories where it's like they break down their story within an inch of its life meaning their story focus groups, their lead writers is like, they have like a hundred page pamphlet. Like 
this is how we have to tell our stories. Like, does the character's flaw mean this? Does this mean this? Does this happen at this point or whatever? But they're really good at it, right? Like they've just figured it out and they know how to tell these really interesting stories that feel like they have good payoffs and they're complete with their themes, matching their characters and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing though. It is kind of like, when you hear like a rough recording of the Beatles compared to some like pop song that's been like warmed over so much, like, yeah, the pop song can sound really fucking cool because it is perfect. But then it's like, oh, this kind of like janky vocals or how the guitar was recorded a little lower. It's just like, that could be cool too. So I will say what Shark Tale does have an advantage. It's like, you know what? Now that (laughs) these words are coming out of my mouth, the story wasn't like, they did work on the story for a very long <laughs> I would say it's more like what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but let's throw Shark Tale into a volcano for a second. <laughs> and let's say that, like, compare, like, uh, oh, fuck, what's that movie? Like, I think it's Ponyo. Ponyo? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's about, like, like a fish. Yeah. In the, it's, so yeah. another, like, that is, like, that rough Beatles song. Gotcha. Where it's just yeah. a person's <laughs> vision. <laughs> It, look, Did it I just have the, it, it doesn't have the most glossed over animation, but it's beautiful. Where Pixar's fucking glossy, it's that pop song, you know, yeah. that's still good. It's a great pop song, yeah. but it's fucking fit, like it's very finished and refined. Yes. Oh my fucking god! Shark I Tale. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Okay. You know what? Okay. You know what? I think because I understand what you're saying. We're like just like sometimes. When like it's like how we were saying how like Disney movies like they kind of like all look a little bit the same right now. Yeah, they get a little same because like you know like they're so good at what they do that like sometimes it's like you do have to like break the mold a little bit like you know Spider Man into the Spider Verse mm. but like mixing yeah. so many genres that you're like oh that's just like appealing to my eye now just to see something different. I think a better comparison than Shark Tales <laughs> would be like how like Lion King is like stolen from uh, that Kimba, the white lion. Right. Like that is like a beautiful animation, but then Disney comes along, they steal it and they like buffer it a little bit more. You know, they they're playing it on CD where Kimba was maybe like the vinyl of mm. it. Um, and I think there are a lot of cartoons out like that i think there are a lot more of like the shorts animated because i think it's really hard nowadays to make like a full length animated movie like artsy you know like that's like really well just because like it's not i don't know like studios aren't just like picking them up so i think like a lot of the shorts you see now are that where it's like that different style that's Mm -hmm. not just like super like buffed out and like perfectly fitted but shark tale is not that story (laughs) at all shark tale is like going to like like oh i'm not getting coca-cola today i'm getting the wegman's brand cola i think shark tale is something that it's it's a movie that it's a bunch of people going we we what we need to make a kids movie that's appealing to adults but maybe not having the research or the money or the leadership that Disney has to know how that works properly. Cause I think we watch a lot of kids bullshit 
Yeah. Disney Channel does it better than any other channel. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they have they hire people, they hire educators probably to figure out how to like deal emotionally with children. And it's and I'm not saying this like in a they're doing it in a a nice way. They're doing it in a way where it's just like, how do we keep kids addicted to this shit? So they they hire people that know how kids brains work. And then they also know how the adult brain works and goes, how do we appeal to both? And this tried to do that just poorly because their way to appealing to kid was with the chaos. Right. Oh, we're doing an exposition dump. We have a puff puffer fish and we're going to, for whatever reason, make him puff randomly. It's going to be chaos. He's going to be knocking shit over. They think that's what's going to make kids laugh and interested. How do we appeal to adults? Make it this a brutal mob murder movie about a guy with a gambling addiction. Hey, it worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) But Disney knows how to do it. Then it's like they're fucking bread and butter. Like you said, they have their formula or whatever. And that's just why they're better at it. I mean, they also like do some kind of complicated things where, um, I was like, this is one thing I did kind of like where so like we haven't brought her up yet, but Renee Zellweger is in this movie and yeah. she is um, she's like a receptionist at the car at the whale wash and she's in love with Oscar, mm-hmm. but he's not in love with her. And like part of me did enjoy that whole like he's friend zoning her because usually it's like, you know, the guy is friend zoned. So there's like something fun about like the girl being like just wholly friend zoned. But then there's like a point in the movie where he he's honestly, there's not like a lot of redeemable qualities about him, even from the get-go. He's like kind of an asshole, like always just trying to like get rich quick, um, never happy with what he's got. And um, you know, at some point it all comes to a head and she like yells at him. She's just like, you said you were a nobody, but I fucking loved you when you were a nobody. Like mm, that was powerful. And basically tells him that he's a prick, but like pardon me, he's just like he he's always been an asshole. Like, why were you ever in love with him? But that's all like very complicated relationship dynamics. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like that's like a fun relationship dynamic for me and an adult. So like suss out. That's like a very complicated romantic lead relationship dynamic for kids to understand so much of what disney movies are about uh parental relationships because you're dealing with kids right so they're mostly dealing with siblings and parents in their lives not fucking unrecorded love well okay but like (laughs) early disney definitely was doing all the love shit like all the stuff we grew up aladdin beauty and the beast but it was very clear we're like beauty and the beast you're just like of course she can't love him. He's a beast. So like he like it's manifested that he's a jerk. And then when she can love him, he's beautiful. And like, you know, uh I don't Cinderella, like all of those love dynamics are pretty simple where it's like Sleeping Beauty, I met a handsome man in the forest and we're in love. Like it's not complex because why should it be? And then Disney finally got to the point where it just was like Kids don't even want to pay attention to romance in movies. You know, Frozen has a little bit of it, but like Elsa, she's not fucking worried about finding love. Moana is probably one of the hands down in the catalog best Disney movies. And I think one of its biggest excellers is that there is no love interest. Moana's not like, I need to go find an adventure. 
and love. Like, I think Disney really got good at getting to the point of just being like, kids don't care about fucking love. They care about family dynamics and they care about how do I as an individual fit within my family, but also feel independent of my family. So I feel like, I mean, this is 2004, so we're still dealing with love dynamics, but I think cartoon movies are doing better about being like, why are we cramming love in? Kids don't fucking care. And this movie's like, we're going to cram complicated love in here. Why? Why? Yeah, you even had uh, the fish, the Lola fish, and she... Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie, um, who progressively dips Oscar and kisses him instead of Oscar dipping her and kissing him. Yeah. That's big. Um, Their eyes are both open when they're kissing. I'm I'm with you, Lily. I was so obsessed with that love triangle where I'm like, oh, she's the receptionist and she's in love with him. But now he's going after this other fish or whatever, like the hot one. And I was, yeah, I was so into it. I get that hot fish. Mm. (laughs) Isolate Uh, that. Like as an adult, I kind of liked that like role reversal. But I don't know why a kid would. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rattle off some like fun factoids. I watched it behind the scenes clip and uh, we are so fucking spoiled in 2022 because in 2004, they made these they were making these movies on computers the size of a fucking microwave where it was just like still had glass screens that like were bulbous and bellowed out standard definition. The computer had like a giant fat back on it that reached the fucking wall. And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God, you can't even like make it bigger the screen is like 12 inches across and you just have to squint as you're fucking animating the shit so kudos to them for figuring it out all the way back then because wow what a fucking nightmare um they (laughs) interview martin scorsese which again so funny that martin scorsese and robert de niro are acting opposite each other uh obviously famous director actor collaboration Scorsese acted with De Niro once in taxi driver. And he plays a character who wants like murder his girlfriend fucking insane. So it's fun that they're working together and again in this, but I've watched Martin Scorsese an interview for this movie. And he basically was describing it like the same way he would describe like last temptation of Christ. He's, you know, <laughs> the, the duality of having the fish and the sharks and this, I'm like, what, what, the <laughs> what is going on? Um, also, here's a positive for Will Smith, because we do have to get into the Will Smith of it all. I found his character a little grating, like he's very like big and obnoxious the entire time. Towards the end, I kind of like warmed up to it and it wasn't as grating, yeah. but they showed him doing the scene behind the scenes, voicing at the microphone where he's trying to teach Martin Scorsese's fish how to slap him up, right? Or whatever. And he makes a comment about it, like, oh, not all white fish know how to do this or whatever. So they show that whole scene pre-animated, just him in the fucking recording booth. And it is a hundred times funnier. And it's the same exact oh, line. Really? It's not even another take. And I think it's a hundred times funnier is this movie fucks up. Will Smith is very understated in performing. He's kind of a nuanced, subtle actor. It's his voice and his use of language that's colorful. In the shark tale, they animate him kind of big and moving and his arms are moving. His eyes are getting all crazy as he's saying these funny things. But like why Will Smith works in Men in Black and why Will Smith works in Bad Boys and why Will Smith worked in this behind the scenes clip is like he says funny shit, but he looks cool as a fucking cucumber. Mm. And that's what makes him so funny. Mm. 
Whereas I think they may be lost in translation, like what makes Will Smith so uh, interesting as an actor. To Eric's point, Lily and I watched by accident the other Will Smith um, animated film. Was it Spies in Disguise? Mm-hmm. Which is just came out, right? That's, that's uh, a couple recent. of years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Within the last couple of years, and that Eric is kind of what you're saying, like Will Smith's character, and it's a much better animated film. Will Will and much more successful, and Will Smith's much more successful in it. He's like the cool guy, right? He's saying funny shit, but like he's like they take Will Smith's persona of being like the strong, cool, secret agent, and they. <laughs> They they multiply it by ten, and it's much more successful of a character in a in a movie. Yeah, I you know what I feel like we're, we're going to do a whole podcast on that movie. But I think we're spending for me most of this podcast talking about like Shark Tales as opposed to talking about Will Smith and Shark Tales because to me it's just like one it's like not a very good movie. I don't fault Will Smith for doing it because it's like if I was an actor and I had kids. I'd want to make a couple movies that I felt like my kids could watch. Like he had young kids at the time. Like, fuck yeah. Like, let me jump in an animated movie that my kids will actually want to see. Like, I can't fault him for that. I would do the same shit. But he does take a long break from animated movies after this. You know what I mean? Like, I think he was just like, "Eh." like, I don't think he had to have been thrilled with how it was or how it went. Like, it's not a very good movie but it's not because of will smith Mm. about why it's not good so like i don't have like a lot of critiques on his performance because it's just like one i don't think that like voice acting has to be that fucking hard point blank and i think if his jokes don't land it's not because of him it has to come from like the animation of it all and that's not just something he can control but I do think he is more successful in Spies in Disguise because I think the animators made the better choice of leaning into who Will Smith is as opposed to just being like, hey, we just want Will Smith's voice. Yeah, I would say that where where it's a talent is when it's like you look at a cartoon like The, the Simpsons or South Park and you're like, oh, or Bob's Burgers and you're like, oh, three actors did every voice in this cartoon right. right and people are just are doing literal characters and it's like yeah but will smith going into a booth and being will smith isn't the hardest thing yeah also it's like jarring how many people are in this movie like i feel like we it's did not stacked. mention it this is like i want to see this movie as just like a normal movie like I want to see this not animated. I want to see this with these actors doing that fucking mob boss movie. That would be like, so fucking badass if someone right? like, wanted to remake Shark Tale with real people. Yeah, like, like if you there. really had like Annalisa Jolie, you really had. I'm like having a hard time talking tonight, guys. Um, Renee Zellweger, Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Will Smith, Jack Black. 20 other people that I haven't even mentioned. Christina Aguilera, Missy Elliott popping up. Just like 20 other. Shaggy. Shag- no, it was Sean Paul. Sean Paul. Sean um, Paul. Just like 40 other actors in it. Like, it is insane to me that you would stack your cast this fucking hard for something not that good. Uh, this, yeah, this movie. Oh, what's the more recent A24 uh, degenerate gambler Adam Sandler movie? 
Oh, Uncut Gems? Yeah, this is Uncut Gems before yeah, Uncut hell Gems. Yeah, dude. You know, Degenerate Game. I mean, but look, this movie would yeah, be dope. This movie would dope if it wasn't trying to appeal to kids and it wasn't fish. It's still Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro in it. Yeah, yes. like all the same actors cut the fish. Let's make it. Let's do it. That, like, honestly, a, it would be a good movie that we should really talk about making like a trailer <laughs> or something. That'd be um, fucking hilarious. Honestly, it'd be pretty easy. We could literally just like take other acting things they've done all right and cut it all together I, I, we're gonna wrap it up because we could talk about a lot of i think we got excited i i personally got really excited about this movie because it was the first animated film it's just to talk about disney and pixar and dreamworks and all that stuff and i wanted to get also into ice age it's blue sky productions getting fucking eaten up by disney and then shut down so the people mm. that made ice age are all got shut down but i i just wanted to see eric what you think about it and, and lily too but uh, eric because he's like you know you direct stuff and and are actually in it a bit more than we are obviously but all right so disney was buying up a bunch of animation studios at this time and just gobbling them up like dreamworks and other ones that people haven't even heard of right Mm -hmm. now doing the same thing with like ips right with uh like star wars and Mm -hmm. marvel and Muppets, Simpsons, right? Yeah. And all now Disney. Like it seems like a bad thing <laughs> to have Disney own all this bullshit, or to have one company own all this bullshit. Like you know those motherfuckers. Give it a year, they're gonna own all the Harry Potters. You know what I mean? Like they're just getting because they're just getting eaten up by Disney. Mm-hmm. Is like is it just gonna be worse now? Like is everything just gonna be worse because of this? I mean. Listen, we live in a nation that pretends to hate monopolies and conglomerates. But like at the end of the day, we're like the entire nation is owned by like five fucking companies, period. I don't know that anything will be worse off for Disney owning so much. But I'm sure for the creatives, it's worse off. Like, you know, I don't. I don't think on the creative end, it's probably like super healthy to have one person or one company own so much because I think then it makes it just that much harder for original stories to come out and um, like more diverse staffing to come out and, you know, more indie, especially like animation wise, fucking making like an indie animation has to be fucking brutal and impossible. So I think probably from like a creative workplace standpoint, it can't be great. As a person, yes, bitch. Get it all on one streaming service so I don't have to have 20 streaming services. Put it all in Disney World for me, baby. But like, you know, I it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, it is a double-edged sword. And, I, and to go to that point is that look at what's happening with um, Warner Brothers at the moment. So Discovery Plus now owns Warner Brothers or the other way around. Anyways. And HBO. Their CEO, yeah, an HBO CEO came in. So it's like you have this conglomerate that owns Warner Brothers, Discovery Plus, HBO, DC Films, and all of that. And so the whims of one person can dictate like, well, we're going to get rid of this Batgirl movie and it's never going to exist. Or they fucking deleted it. 
they're having this week they're having funeral screenings on the lot and the funeral screenings which they've dubbed funeral screenings are the cast and crew can come watch the film before the footage is terminated for good that's awful which is like that is the most depressing weird fucking thing and i hope a savvy projectionist or a savvy editor somehow fucking offloads that onto a secret hard drive and before they delete it but i'm sure they have security up their ass so like it's fucking bonkers. But anyways, that's you depressing. Have- These people put like so much work and energy and like time away from their families. Like that's fucking brutal. The woman who was hired to play Batgirl was like going to hospitals as Batgirl, like for dying kids to be like, yep, I'm Batgirl. And now she ain't yeah, those fucking dying Batgirl. kids are frauds. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did you say the dying kids are frauds? Continue on, Eric. <laughs> Grow up a little. <laughs> um, but what I was also going to say on the positive, as sickening as this sounds, and maybe this is a more abstract question, Disney, which now owns all these things, is the only company with enough money to buy out someone like George Lucas, who George Lucas put a fucking pin in Star Wars and was pretty much like, yeah, there's not going to be any Star Wars ever again. And ruining them. So, yeah, in 2003 or whenever fucking episode three came out, we were all like, yeah, Star Wars is done. We're never going to fucking see another Star Wars. So here's this company that can come and be like, no, we'll give you more Star Wars because we have the equity to ensure that can happen. But they're also like, we just paid fucking four billion dollars for it. We're going to make commercial movies. And again, not saying Star Wars was some artsy thing that it needed to be abstract and artsy. They're going to, yeah, fine. Make commercial movies to make your money back. But that's like the double-edged sword, right? I, they, I, oh, God. Oh, I was just going to say, they have the equity to bring the things we love back, but then it becomes the thing you hate again because everyone just fucking argues about it online. So, yeah, I think sure. the problem with it, though, like, because like you're saying, like, oh, they make like commercial movies. The 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 threshold for how successful something has to be to make it worth their while is too high. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, you got to make a billion <laughs> right yeah. at this point the, for the effort we're putting in. It's got to make a billion worldwide at some point. And it's just like, so at that point, it's like you're you have to do the sure fire thing. And that's put three fucking Spider-Man in a movie oh and hit, God, hit everybody in for doing that. Though. That was fucking great. The, the nostalgia bones. That's probably everybody. one of the best movie going experiences I've ever had. It was great. Yeah. So it's like it's a, I it's it's a weird situation. I don't think it's always going to be. I think we're like in weird growing pains right now. I, Cause, yeah, because I think I also read people are pissed about the HBO thing and I follow a lot of people that are in filmmaking and they're obviously mad because their projects are getting cut and all that shit. I get why they're mad. But people are pointing out that a lot of the hate is also coming from this dude, the CEO or whatever is like a MAGA guy. So obviously there's people that just don't like him because he's like Trump supporter. Okay, so there's that. But also people are pointing out that like it's not what's happening with the streaming services and like what with Netflix and stuff is they're pumping. They were pumping too much money into their projects and not making the money back. So, yeah, HBO is like cutting a bunch of shit now, but it's going to save their ass 10 years down the line. Whereas people that aren't cutting the shit right now and setting a more fiscally responsible plan are going to be fucked 10 years down the line, like a Netflix or something. Can I mean, either of you guess the budget of the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon? Oh, I can't oh my wait God. for it. It's got to be like a hundred million. 100, 
for the for the entire season? Yeah, yeah. for the entire season. How many episodes? What, what do you think? Like 10, 12? Uh, it doesn't say. All right. I'll say costumes alone are be like 40 million. Yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 300 to 500 million. So, yeah, most feature length films like Force Awakens was like 250 million. Maybe the new Avatar was 300 million. So like a feature film can get up there in budgets, depending on what the property is and what it is. Um, The Amazon Lord of the Rings show. Are you holding on to your fucking hat? Is it going to be cheap? One billion dollars. That like hurts. That hurts me. You're thinking for going to Mark's point about like people just dumping money. Like I get it. Amazon, they're trillionaires. So like a billion dollars doesn't fucking matter. And they hope people just subscribe to Amazon Prime to get that fucking sweet, sweet Lord of the Rings. But a billion dollar price tag and not to be a snob. I I truly don't want to put down the work because I'm sure a lot of talented people worked on it. It still doesn't look like a movie. When I watch the trailers, I'm like, oh, yeah, this looks like a TV show. So what? A billion dollars? I mean, just for they... the rights of it. That's right? got to be a lot of it. The yeah, costumes. Yeah. Okay. Um. Also, what's weird is like, so they're putting a billion dollars into it. I think out of all the streaming services, Amazon has the least amount of good shows. Like there's like some, like I love the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel some people like Fleabag, The Boys, but like their bench is the shallowest. So it's like for you to drop that much on one well, show. Why? Okay, Maybe. but why don't you split that money up and make like four Look, other good shows? Here's the thing. All right, we're, we're, we have to wrap this up, but I'm just going to say, and you're going up against Game of Thrones and they're going to be showing dicks and titties? Lord of the Rings. It's not going to happen. They're, they're, Are they showing dicks and titties? A game of no, but I say you're going up against the new Game of Thrones. But so maybe Lord of the Rings will show some dicks and titties, huh? Will Lord of the Rings show some? They dicks said and titties? they weren't because it's oh. for children. It's a it's for families. It's Lord oh. of the Rings, you know. Not, uh, either way, I'm excited about the next Will Smith movie. I didn't think I was gonna be because I've never seen this movie. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad, but it's Hitch, dude. Romantic comedy. His first rom com. You I'm so excited King about Queen's it. Queens in it, you know. Who's the girl in it in Hitch? Uh, who's Eva Mendes. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. yep. She I talks saw to this me in theater. My gas station screen. I saw this in theater. I think you guys are in for a treat, genuinely. And I think you're going to be like, why did he not do more rom coms? I'm into. I'm very excited for Hitch. I think That's you're same. really in same. for a beautiful treat. Guys. All right, all right. Should we wrap this up? I guess because honestly, I could I guess talk about like just Disney and all that motherfucking shit all <laughs> well, night. We got another but answer. this is a Will Smith podcast. I don't know why we're getting so deep in all this other stuff. I think it just goes to show that nobody cared about this movie. This was not a Will Smith movie. This was just, I think, a oh, movie he did for his kids. I know we're wrapping this up. Can I say this really quick and you guys oh, yeah. can agree or disagree? Another problem with this film is that the funny, loud, genie esque character is your main character. Whereas I think sometimes movies are more successful when the main character is more subdued. And we know Will Smith can be subdued. He's a dramatic actor, too. And not saying he can be devoid of humor because Aladdin can sometimes still be funny. But Aladdin isn't the genie. The genie is the side character, whereas Oscar in this had the bravado and the energy and the jokes a mile a minute of someone like the genie. And it's like, I wonder if that's a weird thing to do. Like sh- even Shrek's like a little bit like more. He's the grumpy. grump. He's the like, he's the straight man. And yeah, again, donkey, it's not the, the crazy sideline 
I don't think Will Smith should have been the side character, but it's like Will Smith should have been subdued. And then his friend, like Martin Scorsese or even the jellyfish, they can be like the crazy zany characters and he can be a little bit more chill, but they didn't more do down that on thing. his luck. Yeah. So um, they made him loud. I wonder if that's also messes with the formula a little bit. Okay. I just figured it out, Eric. You know why you can't stop fucking talking about Aladdin? Tom Cruise. Because Will Smith plays the fucking genie. Oh, and the new one. In the live action. And, and it's just subconsciously in your brain. Yeah, right. maybe. Yeah. All right, guys. Hitch <laughs> is next. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. Bye.